customer. It's on many entrepreneurs' list of business commandments. To best serve your customer base, you need to know what they want, what they don't want, how they're spending their money, and so much more. Customer behavior can teach you about how to shape your organization and its direction if you know how to capture the data and analyze it. That's what we'll be discussing on this final episode of our mini-series on data analytics from the Conference Board of Canada and Tableau. I'm your host, Takara Small. In the previous four episodes, we've looked at the ways you can start to understand data analytics, how to use it for social good, and how to turn your organization into one that is driven by insightful and reliable information. These are the internal foundations, but your customer is the big external factor. You can dramatically improve customer value if you use data analytics properly. And we've got another expert on hand to help us explain how. Carolyn Lowe has a long career in marketing where she found herself increasingly using data analytics to inform her campaigns. That worked so well, her company then asked her to use analytics to drive the rest of the organization as well. Carolyn is based in Toronto and works for Acuity Ads. She has some great thoughts on how to understand your customers and what the future of analytics in this space might look like. She started by explaining how data analytics can benefit consumers. I think, you know, consumers need to understand how companies use the data. Um, You know, and at the end of a lot of engagements, people, the surveys come up and I think like, most people, people don't have the time and they don't fill them out, but those surveys do get used and they do skew product development, how companies focus on service. So I would highly encourage people to fill those out. So you give the feedback back to the organ, the businesses that you do, that you purchase from or you interact with, because that would help them d- dramatically. And it also... With all the digitized engagement now, when you buy online, all the e-commerce, every single action is collected. So know that it does matter what you say, what you do, where you go visit, and it is collected. You know, what a company does with it is something they do. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies do... Um, do collect the information. My job is to tell companies what to look for and which data to collect and start analyzing. So the more as a consumer you can give them in terms of what you're wanting and what you're desiring, it's all done by clicking and time spent and uh, sending the right signals back to the organization so they can serve up the best product and the best customer service in a way that you would like. And are there any examples you've come across of best practices or um, you've seen something that really exemplify how to do this in a great way? Yeah, I think, you know, always um, focusing on the data that really understands the customer first, because I think if you understand the customer needs, that will always generate uh, engagement, which ultimately generates revenue and business growth. So I think understanding, you know, who your customer is, who spends, how they spend, how they interact, what is it they're solving for when they interact with your business. So finding out the the KPIs around that or the measurement metrics around that. I see too many people, you know, especially in the marketing field, measuring, you know, how many generic impressions you get or how many, how much busyness there is. And the busyness doesn't necessarily equal what people are doing. So it takes a lot of understanding the context of what your customers are doing 
making sure you're measuring the right actions and not just all actions, um, distilling that and then building your business around those very specific KPIs. Are there any common pitfalls or mistakes that organizations make when trying to improve their customer experience using analytics, like perhaps looking at irrelevant data or not concentrating on the right data at the right time? Yeah, you know, I think right now a lot of organizations are overwhelmed because there are so many data points. And what I see commonly is kind of two different things. One, they're so overwhelmed, they don't really do much with it. And they keep doing what they've been doing, what has gotten them here so far. Um, and I think that is a huge mistake because what has gotten you here so far isn't going to help you grow exponentially going forward. And especially now after COVID, where so many companies have digitized, they've figured out how to do their transactions online. The smart companies are really leveraging that knowing, okay, now we can track everything, all our, all our interactions online, and now we can really understand our customers. Better. So they're doing it. So if you're not changing and pivoting and being agile to that, I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's a huge opportunity loss there. And then those who are doing it, like to my earlier point, I think some people are still mired into the old way of looking at things and not looking at new dynamics or new things to measure going forward. And so um, people, stint, uh, you know, I see organizations mired to traditional ways of going, okay, revenue growth quarter for quarter, uh, year over year, uh, let's see um, who leaves by gender, by household income. Those are very traditional ways to look at your audience. What people don't look at are other like, with the cookies leaving, you know, cookie world coming very, very quickly, um, people do need to start kind of building their own profiles and maybe not taking just the traditional household income, you know, uh, gender, age as their parameters, but looking at other things like who do they follow? What community engagements are they in? It, it takes a lot more time to understand the customer, but the customer today is far more complex. And their spending is much more against value systems rather than always price, which is, I think, historically what we what we as brands and we as companies have targeted. So I think there is a, a lot more exploration that can happen on what the new measurement should be in order to understand really what the consumers are, especially with social media influencing so many people these days. You know, I think there's a huge gap when it comes to what consumers think data analytics is and what it actually, um, how it actually works in the real world. How can experts like yourself explain this to the public and show them how helpful it is? Yeah, so, um, you know, when we break down, we take the info. Like, so I think a lot of people tr think analytics is, hey, there's numbers, um, you're going to just try and understand where you make the most money of me. And then, um, then I get the next best price point or I, um, you know, you, you'll, you'll, the renewal will be earlier or, or things like that. But what is very interesting around the analytics is now we can take patterned information, the advanced analytics anyway, and the AI and the ML, you can take so much what we previously have thought would be unrelated data points and you bring them all together and you predict things 
that you wouldn't traditionally look at. So uh, one great example is from, um, I read about Obama's campaign. He had taken a data analyst and they pulled all their voting demographics, psychographics activity for one state. And, you know, traditionally you have household income and all the genders, and those are the typical things you measured, but they end up um, finding a commonality with people who drank Coke versus people who drank Pepsi, whether or not they're more likely to vote Democrat or Republican. And there was a new relationship they were able to find in that that was not measured before. And I thought that was so interesting. And they were able to project then their likelihood to win in a certain region because of this. And they had done this one sample. It it just was fascinating for me, totally unrelated. You would have never thought what you drank in terms of a soft drink would um, be relevant, but when you have enough uh, data points together, you could potentially start drawing new conclusions and new relationship and causality um, or yeah, re- relationships and patterns that you didn't traditionally have before. Understandably, there are customers who are a little wary about providing their data to organizations or to companies. Are there ways businesses can better communicate why this information is beneficial, not just to them, but in general and how it can benefit them and how possibly businesses can incentivize them to engage in this process? Yeah, I think overall businesses can definitely do a much better job at communicating and building trust with the with their consumers and their customers on how they're using the data and how and to give them options on their levels of privacy that they would like to keep for themselves. In Canada, I feel like as a country, the government does a lot of good work around legislating what is kept private and uh, preserving uh, consumers' rights. Um, but yeah, for sure, businesses tend to they don't want to poke the bear, so they don't want to bring awareness around this. But I think the opposite is true. I think the more you talk about it, the more transparent you are, the better the trust level you can build with your customers. Um, you know, in this generation of, you know, folks coming up now who have lived and breathed social media since they were born, um, there is already a natural tendency to share everything. So I think, again, by being transparent, telling folks how they are benefiting, how you're using their data, a lot. it can go a long way rather than hiding it in the legalese behind five clicks down in a website. I mean, first of all, that makes so much sense. Um, I think, yeah, customers are eager to hear about how, you know, the sausage is made <laughs> because yeah. um, you hear so much competing information online, you, you're eager to hear it from the horse's mouth. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had instances like, you know, the Facebook instance and everyone hears that and then is very is terrified about what's happening to their information. And then you get those emails from the bank or whichever retailer you did and you hear that your information's jeopardized and then you feel very vulnerable because it's out of your hands and you're not sure what happens when with your information. And I think, again, these things are going to happen. It's a reality of this technical and digital world. I think if organizations would be, I get proactive that if it does happen, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing to prevent it. And this is how we assured um, it won't happen again. Communicating that a little bit more besides one letter or one email and then talking to consumers about, hey, when you when you participate with us or when you buy with us, 
this is what we're doing with it and being again proactive so that you're engaging customers in the process too. And they understand by giving you information, they're benefiting from it as well. So it's a win-win if they do share, if they do and choose to share. So I think the choice ultimately always has to be in the hands of the customer. I'm wondering how can companies work with customers who perhaps aren't as tech savvy or don't have reliable access to the internet? Because a lot of data analytics and a lot of these surveys and engagement takes place online through apps, surveys, social media. So if there is a business um, who is perhaps working with a demographic that doesn't have access to some of those platforms, what should they do? Yeah, I would, I would say it's kind of it's a problem that will solve itself because those if they don't have access, then they're likely not buying online or engaging online. So then they're not necessarily affected um, as much as someone who lives and breathes and purchases and interacts almost all online. So um, it's hard to, it is hard to reach. I, I do think that becomes a a lesser concern with each passing year, because again, with the population coming in, they are fully digitized and fully online. Um, I do think it, I do think my, my opinion, it's a it'll be a dying problem because of this and because of the evolution of the marketplace. And speaking of the evolution of the marketplace, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how things have changed during the pandemic. I mean, we've seen the e-commerce space explode, um, which, you know, engages more customers. But at the same time, it's becoming slightly more competitive and crowded. So what has that meant for uh, customer engagement um, before the pandemic? And uh, I don't want to say post-pandemic because we still have COVID, but now... Yeah, you know what? I think I think this is this has been a whole new revelation. I think COVID has now leveled the playing ground for those laggards who hadn't gone and um, entered the digital transformation world. They saw like I think a bunch of them didn't make it. They couldn't figure out how to e-commerce or um, do their business online. They just could not survive, and they didn't. And others pivoted really quickly and either moved for full production or full business online, or other people finally got themselves fully on there. So I think it accelerated what was going to happen in the next five or 10 years. It happened all within 18 months, two years. So, so now we are, we are starting all over again. We're the, the art of the possible for digital economy is now here. And you see it now where a lot of large companies had never allowed people to work remote have now a permanent hybrid, if not remote situation. So that completely changes how people work and the options available to them. You see the great resignation, what that means. People rethink about what they want and opting for other things. And that changes the labor market dramatically. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I think this has been a, you know, this has been both a blessing in disguise for some organization. It's been an acceleration for others of the inevitable. And then unfortunately it was demise for the people who couldn't come up to, to, who couldn't keep up. And this is my little crystal ball moment. I'm wondering, you know, what trends you think are on the horizon, what businesses should look out for to stay ahead of the curve? Because as you mentioned, those that kind of didn't hop on the e-commerce bandwagon or didn't adapt quick enough were left behind. So what are you seeing for the future? 
Yeah, you know, I see, I, you know, the demand for skills and things that I do is huge and hot because it's really tough for me to hire people. It's been very, very competitive. But I mean, it's great for me personally because there's a ton of work for this. And I, I love that more organizations are becoming much more digitally oriented and data driven. So not as likely to make decisions out of their gut. You know, the gut should lead, but it should be backed up by facts um, driven from the data. I think in terms of opportunity, you see the whole metaverse opening up, understanding like that to me is something that's going to play out. That's it's just so nascent now with just really early adopters in it. But I do think businesses should try and look at how they can create their own value prop in that new environment because it is coming. And if you don't figure out where you fit on that, I do think businesses will get left behind. There's still lots of time. I think there'll be a lot of people getting in early and failing, but ultimately that becomes a new dimension in which we're going to interact and build businesses. So what does that look like for, you know, you, a flower shop or you, a car manufacturer? I think there's many different applications that we can't even imagine in the same way that when the internet was started, people couldn't imagine how how they play and what they do with the business, but it's just because it was so un it's it's just such a new dimension. So you know you've got five G, which enables faster connections. This whole other universe that's being built. So I think taking the time, truly understanding what that means uh, for your business is time well spent. Now, wow, this has been so incredibly informative. Thank you so much for walking us through customer value through analytics. And I cannot wait for our listeners to hear this. Thank you. It's my pleasure joining today. And that was the wonderful Carolyn Lowe sharing some wisdom on driving customer value through data analytics. It brings us to the end of this mini series. We've heard some really amazing insights over the last five episodes. We've had some brilliant guests with us to walk us through the key stages of becoming a data-driven organization. And I hope you've enjoyed their contributions. The only thing we haven't settled is the data or data pronunciation. Maybe we'll leave that one for Star Trek to solve after all. Goodbye, data. (laughs) Goodbye, and thanks so much for listening.